Hey, this is Jeff Turner from the Orlando Magic, and you're listening to Penny for Your Thoughts, the Orlando Magic UK podcast. Now over to Jarrett, Mikey, and Paul. Kapaya! <laughs> What's up, Magic fans? Welcome to Penny for Your Thoughts, Orlando Magic UK's weekly podcast. This is episode 99, being recorded on Friday the 30th of September. Uh, We've got a really exciting episode for you this week. Shortly, we're going to be joined by Director of Digital Content for the Orlando Magic, Mr. Dan Savage, uh, just to talk about Magic Media Day and his thoughts for the upcoming season. Um, I'm joined by Mr. Mikey Clark. How are we, sir? I was all right until a couple of minutes ago, and Gary informed us he's never watched Keenan and Kel after we were discussing the sad news that Coolio's passed away. Keenan and Kel, Gary, you've never watched Keenan and Kel? Absolutely not. No, I've never heard of them until about two minutes ago. Why, why would I have? Uh, you, need to, you need to YouTube the, uh, the theme song to the uh, introduction of that program it was iconic should we say mikey one of the best i must have been doing other things when keenan and cal was on given out age ranges here you're not that much older than us mate gary obviously gary obviously doesn't love the orange soda does he (laughs) love the orange soda (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh gary how are you mate you good mate great i'm uh, decided i'm not putting my heating on because i would like to have some money to spend in orlando but <laughs> so, hence the hoodie and the jacket apart from that okay. <laughs> how are you mate? i'm all right mate i'm good thank you um so let's just get these plugs out of the way because we've got so much to get through today and obviously we've got dan to get on so uh for merchandise, please shop um, the latest Orlando Magic gear at both NBA Store EU and Fanatics UK. Uh, the links will be in the description. Please add code MAGICUK10 at the checkout for 10% off your order. Um, or you can support us by heading to our online store, magicfansapparel.tmail.com, uh, for some of our own merchandise. I don't know why Mikey's laughing. Uh, again, the links will be in the description. I'm going to keep going because I'm not doing this again. And if you'd like to help support the podcast for free, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Orlando Magic UK. Even if you subscribe on another platform, it would really help us out in trying to get to a 1,000 subscribers. So, Mikey, are you going to tell me why you're laughing? <laughs> I could just see Gary smirking, trying to hold back a laugh himself. And I was... I was going to say, if you know, if I go on and plenty of you subscribe, we can pay our heating bills in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> like some inside jokes there. So if you're watching this from America or anywhere like that, the heating bills in Britain have gone through the roof astronomically. So just click on and subscribe to our YouTube channel and that would help us out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we go. Right. Sorry. Magic news. A lot to get through today. Um, but first, before we press on with, with our, our beloved team, um, obviously with the news in Florida this week that Hurricane Ian was um, hitting the, the state, I just want to wish that you know all of our friends in the US are all okay, not affected too badly by the hurricane. Uh, and the thoughts have been with you guys this past week as we've been uh, watching it all unfold on the television. So uh, fingers crossed you're all okay. 
Um, moving on, Magic Media Day. Um, Monday saw the Magic return to work for the Media Day. Uh, we we got to see the likes of Paolo Banquero, Caleb Houston in their new Magic threads. Um, we'll be speaking to Dan, as I've mentioned, a little bit later on, uh, who was at the heart of the Media Day, just to get the inside scoop of what went down there. Um before we, you know, obviously we're going to mention a lot later with Dan, but one burning question I think that came out, uh, guys, uh, which Jeff Weltman commented on to, uh, to open the media day on Monday, and that he said that Jonathan Isaac will not participate in full team practices and will be integrated slowly. Now, Weltman won't put a timetable on his return, Um <laughs> Then subsequently, Isaac spoke to the media and told reporters that he's finally ready to start putting it all together and ramping it up, um, and that he can see light at the end of the tunnel. What What do you think, Mikey? It seems like that both camps sort of have different views at the moment. Yes and no. I think from Jeff Weltman and the Magic's perspective, Ji's missed a good two years of playing time, and he spent the whole time rehabbing knee injuries um, and having setbacks in that time as well. And I think when they want him back, they want to make sure that he's back for good. They don't want to rush that. And I know it feels silly that he's been out for this long and 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 it's and it's not a case of rushing him back just yet. I mean, you fit, you'd like to think he's had the whole off-season to get himself ready for training camp. Um, but obviously the Magic probably don't feel that he's quite ready to to get into training camp and full contact and getting up and down the court five on five. Um, so that's that's from the Magic's perspective. I think for J.I., I think he's just, he's feeling good. He said that, didn't he, in, in his in his interview? Mm. He's feeling as good as he has done in a long, long time. And if it was his decision, he'd be out there now. Um you you can get it. He he's obviously spent a long long time on the sidelines. He wants to play. The Magic want him to play, but they want to make sure that he's ready to play, um, and he's ready to compete both in practice and and when we get into games next week as well. Um, there there is a part of it where it does feel like the Magic are maybe holding him back a little bit and just making sure he's got a little bit more time to get himself up to speed um, and, and I think we all fully expect that even when he does step on the floor and start playing games again he's probably going to be on a minutes restriction of I don't know probably somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes mm. um, a bit like we saw with Markel last year so um, yeah it, it does feel like both camps are sort of at opposite ends but at the end of the day it's, it's going to be the magic and, and the coaching staff and 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 the training staff's decision when J.I. is ready to, to to put it all together and get back on the floor. I think obviously that conditioning is what needs to to, to come up to speed now um, up to yeah. up to the level it needs to be. But it's, it's frustrating because you think we're so close to the season now, you'd like to think he would have been ready. Um, but that's probably not going to yeah, be the case. I mean, so we just got to be a bit more patient. Especially as, you know, last year, you know, we were told he was close then, but obviously never got over the hub, so to speak. Um, obviously, Magic Twitter, after th those sort of, um, you know, reportings kind of leaked, um, people weren't happy, were they? People were like, all right, trade him, he's broken. Um, 
that was kind of the knee-jerk reaction that we did get on social media, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it came from a John Hammond comment early, before pre-season last year, wasn't it? That he didn't feel like J.I. was that far away. And I think it gave everybody a bit of a... And obviously things can happen in between that time as well, which they clearly did. Otherwise, he would have been back on the floor. But um, yeah, I don't think the Magic want to put any unnecessary pressure on, on J.I. to be ready when he when he probably isn't so yeah no fair enough um another bit of uh nba news something was announced on tuesday i believe it was is there's going to be one rule change so beginning this season there's going to be a, a heightened penalty so essentially one free throw and possession for intentional fouls committed by defenders which deprive the offensive team of a fast break opportunity um any thoughts to this, Gary? Do you like this move? Um, I'm just wait and see how it plays out. I think it's very much in place to maybe increase the entertainment value of the NBA because you're looking at the penalty there, especially with how the game is now. You could be looking at a four-point play happening quite easily from that. So I think it's something that's probably going to suit fast-break teams. It's going to maybe also suit teams who've got, you know, either great passes and or great dunkers in the um, in the team where, you know, you get your fast-break dunk and it's a highlight reel, the type of thing that's going to bring young fans in. So I think from a spectacle, from a viewing point, the NBA is looking for that. They're also probably looking for just to increase the offensive output even more and it's going to be interesting to see as teams pick up on that whether you see players early on getting caught out and then as the season goes on almost pulling out of that because I think your reflex would be if you've been playing the game of basketball most of your life your your reflex would be though to foul a player on a fast break and I think you'll see a bit of that early on and then maybe it, it win as the season goes on but it's it's just a wait and see but I think it's been made with the idea of entertainment and spectacle and the offensive team yeah what do you no, think G cool yeah I, I, I like it um, well it might it might make you know teams not foul so then you know we get more either dunks or fast break you know highlight reels sort of so to speak um, like Gary's just mentioned, it's going to obviously um, benefit the teams that you know run and gun uh, and are very aggressive on defense. So um, yeah, let's wait and see how it goes. But I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I, how about you, I mate? think I think this rule's long overdue. I, I I know it's obviously very different type of rule, but I think more than anything, I think this rule's going to take that as a, as a fan watching the game, taking that frustration out of out of, with using this rule it's a bit like in football where you know a player's offside but the linesman doesn't put his flag up until about 10 seconds later and then the play develops and then eventually puts his flag up and everybody puts their arms up in the air in frustration thinking why didn't you do that it's it's just that frustration watching the game and I feel like hopefully this is going to eliminate that um mm. I can't. Remember, I did see the stat on Twitter the other day. It was some, there was a massive amount of uh, of intentional fouls um, stopping fast breaks last season. I want to say it was something like I don't know fourteen hundred. That's probably really under. It's. Pro I think it was a lot more than that. But it, the the number of 
of fouls like this last year was a lot. And if they can take that out of the game, hopefully that's going to make it a little bit more watchable. Teams like the Hornets, if they had Miles Bridges still, that would have been like a real showcase for them. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But again, your Jamarants and even a Zion now, where you know you could see the Pelicans being a pretty fast team. It's going to favour them. It's certainly been made, for, I think, for the right decision, for the right reasons, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chuma Okiki, or that's how we did used to know him, um, told reporters uh, on Monday that he's been doing some research into his name uh, and the proper pronunciation of his last name. So while he's originally gone by Okiki in the past, he's discovered that the actual pronunciation should be OKK. So we're just going to need to remember this going forward. Um, And we're probably going to have to memo Paul and just um, (laughs) get him up to speed on this development. Um, Mark, Sunday was like the worst day ever. Ever. (laughs) Ever. Right? So I was just going to get to this Mark out, but I'll just tell the story quickly. So Sunday, I had a day planned. I went to watch the uh, Cardiff Devils play uh, against the Guildford Flames down at Ice Arena, Wales. And then I, I was coming back home. I was going to watch Wales beat Poland. And then after well, the Welsh-Poland, uh, Welsh game against Poland, um, I was going to watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to beat the Green Bay Packers. Oh, and three... And then I find out that Markel Fultz gets injured. Couldn't have gone any worse. So anyway, I'll go back to... So Gary messaged uh, messaged us literally whilst I was at the ice hockey and said, Markel's injured. I'm thinking, oh my God, we're going out there in three, four weeks' time and I'm not even going to get to see my favourite player. So uh, pitchforks will be out. Yeah. Um, so... As I mentioned, Markel Fultz suffered a fracture in his big left toe. Uh, no surgery is required. He's been placed in a walking boot and his return to play will depend on how he responds to rehabilitation treatment. Um, the team announced that Fultz suffered the injury during a pre-season workout on returning to Orlando. Uh, An imaging confirmed the fracture. However, on media day, Markel did advise that the injury occurred when he stubbed his toe at home. So, um, any thoughts on this, guys? Well, I think we're in that position now where whenever you get an injury to Markel or GI, it's almost like the confirmation bias type thing hits in where you're kind of like, oh, I knew that would happen. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a small break, I think. It's it's not a muscle issue. It's not a ligament. It's not like an old injury. So it's unfortunate. And you know, I would like to know what he stubbed his toe on. Like for me, it would be like I'm, I'm hoping it was going to the fridge to get a really healthy but tasty snack. But uh, <laughs> it was just something really lame. I'm going to be disappointed. But at least it's not like an old injury. So there's there's the silver lining. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Mikey? It's just disappointing, really, isn't it? With a uh, training camp, well, we're in the middle of training camp. Preseason starts Monday. You think last year, what was it? Over four hundred and fifty games missed through injury for the entire roster, and we've already got three players out to start this season. Start preseason. It's uh, not the best start, but I'm hoping. I I think it was in pretty good spirits on media day. You was yeah, and I am feeling hopeful that. Is it? 
Is it unrealistic to think he might even be ready for the first game of the season? Or the home opener? I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. Otherwise, Gary's by Cole will be starting. He'll be starting anyway. <laughs> He'll be, he should be starting. He should be starting. Rightly starting. If he's not starting, if you think the pitch talks is something you'd, you'd win, you'd, there'll be cars getting tipped over and everything outside of the arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh um, so last bit of magic news obviously the magic open pre-season this week um, on Monday night in the US so our three games uh, by the time we've recorded our next podcast which we're doing a week Saturday which I believe is the 7th or the 8th um, so the magic open uh, Tuesday I say Tuesday, I meant Monday, but Tuesday in the UK, 1am at Memphis. Uh, then we play the San Antonio Spurs Friday morning at 1am, which is Thursday in the US, not to confuse anybody. And then we play the Dallas Mavericks, which is Friday in the US, Saturday morning, 1.30 um, in the UK. So there we go. Bit of magic basketball to watch. So anyway, we're ready for Dan. So... Let's get Dan in. And now we're delighted to be joined um, by a friend of the show, uh, a man who comes from a very long line of savages, <laughs> Mr. Dan Savage. Um, as we all know, is the director of digital content for the Orlando Magic. Dan, how's it going, mate? You good? I'm uh, doing good. You know, we're just getting through this storm here in Orlando um, without power, but here at the practice facility got some. So it's... Uh, it's a nice day to come into work. Got the air conditioning. Got some TV. Uh, so it, it, it's definitely nice. I got to watch some some great basketball. So uh, you know, excited to get things going this season. And excited for the first road trip, which is coming up in just a couple of days. Superb. Yeah. Well, one question I got to ask. You just mentioned that you didn't have um, electricity. Did you, how did you watch the Bengals game last night then? <laughs> you know, it was funny. My in-laws live about uh, five minutes away. They have a generator. And so uh, we were, we still, they still weren't able to get internet, but we had a TV set up and we were streaming it over, uh, you know, over a cell service to the TV out in the backyard. And so it was an interesting (laughs) setup, but, uh, you know, we got it done. They're Dolphins fans. I'm a Bengals fan. So it was was interesting uh, over there, but, uh, you know, it it was, it was nice to see uh, the Bengals come away with the win. Absolutely. And I'm sure you could uh, wind up your, your colleague, Jacob Diamond, who is a, a big Dolphins fan, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we got uh, Jacob on the equipment side, who's uh, who's a big Dolphins fan. We got a number of people uh, here, Dolphins fans. So uh, gain some bragging rights in the office this week. Good man. Good man. So um, obviously, media, um, media day on Monday. Tell us about Monday. How good is it to be back with the guys, uh, the atmosphere within the team and the camp? Um, just seems to be more of an expectation this season to, as Coach Mosley put it, level up. No, no question. I always like in media day to like the first day of school. You get in there and uh, you're seeing everybody. What have you been up to this summer? How's everything going? You see some people and you're like, whoa, you changed physically. You know, they got considerably bigger or, you, you know, what have you. So uh, it's an exciting time in that regard. You really get to see everybody and, and find out what you've been reading about or seeing online and seeing it, how it's actually, you know, transitioning. 
And then I, I compare that to the first day at camp, which is is kind of like the first real day of class where you start getting into mm-hmm. stuff. So it's a, a nice, interesting balance, but always love media day. There's always some good stories that come out of it. We saw some interesting headlines, as I'm sure you guys uh, saw arise from that. And you really kind of set the tone for the year. Uh, you know, that's where the we got a little pre view that with the pod squad where mostly talked about leveling leveling up but a, a lot of those themes carried over and, and were brought to the forefront on media day dan you're getting a uh, good look at the advent health training center um what's your uh, thoughts about it and is there a favorite thing in there that we might not know about that you've seen Oof, that's a that's a good question a lot of it's been documented um you know, oof, that's a really good question because there's so many aspects to it that it's almost like what what don't you pick up? <laughs> uh, the, just coming into the court itself as a basketball lover is just amazing because it's such a big space. And everybody that's seen pictures of it or saw a video of the tour, when they come in and and you see it for the first time, that was what Media Day was kind of a lot about was people who've seen a lot of facilities and they come in and here and they're just like, whoa, this is different. And it's really hard to gauge until you see it in person. And uh, it it is amazing. And the court's amazing. The, the size of the space of the fil- facility is tremendous. Uh, normally, when we were doing interviews over at the uh, old arena practice court, it'd be tight at, at points. You're like watching your back to make sure you don't get hit by a basketball while you're doing an interview. That is not a problem here. There's so much <laughs> space. Uh, it feels like you have to you know, sprint to to make it all the way across you have to do a good run so you get your steps in um you know there's the i haven't tried it yet i don't know if i'm even welcome to try it, but the uh the kitchen and food setup that i have a view of from kind of where our communication office is is just sensational and it smells delicious so I'm, i may try to sneak down there and, and take a plate after this interview's done <laughs> Just put some gear on and just sneak along with a plate and see if anybody knows. Yeah, exactly. I'll slap a hat on and uh, maybe a jersey and see if if nobody's the wiser. <laughs> Do it. Oh, awesome. Well, Dan, uh, obviously we've had Hurricane Ian, which has swept through Central Florida, and uh, hopefully everyone's made it out the other side safely. Um, obviously, Fultz, Isaac, and, and Gary Harris have, have missed training camp through injury or rehabbing. Um, and the Magic have cancelled a few days of practice because of the hurricane. How big a setback do you think that is in the first week? And is there any sort of adjustment plan that the coaching staff have got in place? Because obviously missing a couple of days is is quite key this early on, isn't it? No, that's a, a very timely question because that's exactly what we just discussed with uh, Coach Mosley a, a couple of minutes ago. And I thought his approach was really interesting and, and spot on. Uh he was his opinion was you can't make up time and the more you try to force it uh the more you run the risk of having the, that setback impede onto other days so his his outlook was really win the day come out make sure we have the best practice possible for this day and, and really maximize the time now obviously um, there is a sense of urgency because they're going to be playing a game in a couple of days. They're going to be traveling Sunday to head to Memphis to, to play a basketball game on Monday. Um, so I don't look for them to really do two a days to try to ramp it up. They did a longer practice today, a one session. They're going to have a one session practice tomorrow. And then Sunday will be a travel day. So I assume it'll be a, a lighter practice, not 
you know, no room for, for two a days. So I, I really think they're just going to look to maximize the practices they have rather than try to force more in. Did the team do any sort of stuff like Zoom meetings or anything like that over the last uh, couple of days? Did they do you, you know, the, mostly it was just about focusing on, on staying safe. So they had a group text uh, where coaches, staff members, and players were kind of all in it. And, and amongst that, they were just trying to make sure that everybody's family was safe. Uh, when you go through one of these hurricanes, you know, power goes out, Wi-Fi goes out, um, even cell service in, in the area because the towers are affected and so many people have lost power uh, that cell service gets really bad for a while. So there, there wasn't any of those obligations. It was more just, you know, focus on making sure that you and your family are safe, have everything you need to get through the storm, and then we'll get back at things today, which, you know, they were able to resume on Friday, midday and get a practice under their belt. And the, the energy was tremendous. Uh, you know, I think everybody was just excited to, to get out of the house after being kind of confined for, uh, you know, 24, 48 hour period and, and get back to basketball. Yeah, oh, Fair play. That's, that's really good to hear. Um, let's go back to talk about the team then. Um, obviously, media day. We saw the media scrum around Paolo Bancaro uh, and it looked like everyone was really hanging on to every word he had to say uh, back on Monday. What's impressed you with uh, Paolo's responses? Um, and do you think we'll start to get a bit more national attention now, what with him being the first uh, overall pick this season? Uh, we better, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> Absolutely. The way I look at it is if, if the national media is not paying attention to, the, to this kid, then they're missing out because he is a, a tremendous addition to this organization. You know, from the, from the moment he was drafted, he was a guy I had – you know, I talked on, I think it was Twitter spaces the, the night of the draft. And, and I just felt like the national media was missing the boat by not having him in the conversation for number one. You know, so much was made about Jabari Smith and talking about Chet and, you know, that debate. I, I really thought when I looked at my board, like, how, how could you not have this guy number one? And especially when you consider what this Orlando Magic team needs, uh, in my opinion, he's a he's a perfect fit. Uh, so that that was surprising to me early on. And then when he comes in and you see him in person, it's like, OK, this guy's even better than I thought because his size is tremendous. You really feel it when you're around him, just how solid of a base he has and how he moves for his size. It's a really unique blend. Uh, he's out there, you know, as big as Wendell Carter Jr., kind of moving like a guard. And it, it's it's really something to, to see. Um, I think one of the players mentioned this yet. You know, I don't think he even knows how powerful he is yet. And so that's the kind of intriguing thing that they could get out of him is I think he he has a ton of room to grow. He's already impressive from his decision-making standpoint. I noticed that throughout summer league training camp when you're watching some of the practices and sessions and runs that they had. He was just making tremendous decisions and even in those areas. And so uh, his maturity for a rookie of his age, both with his question answering and his play, is just, just out of this world for a rookie. And, you know, I think it goes back to Duke having to play a season – under the shadow of this is Coach K's final year and mm -hmm. any game towards the end that they lose could be the final this or the final that. And having to weigh all that on their shoulders, uh, I, I don't think there is a rookie that's come out in the last couple of years that's better prepared to handle the pressure of being a number one overall pick than Paolo Bancaro. 
Superb. If you're speaking of um, sensational young players, then um, how impressed were you with what Franz Wagner did in <laughs> Germany? And uh, if you were looking and thinking still about levelling up, um, as Coach Mosley was saying, how do you think Franz can do that um, this season? Yeah, just keep doing what he's doing because it's, it's working pretty well. Uh, you know, the one thing, I think it was on this podcast, I remember coming on after his first summer league and people were, you know, saying, could they have taken this guy or that guy? Uh, and I, it stood out to me from his first summer league practice where Coach Mose was already using him as an example of how to properly do things, that this kid was special because of his decision-making his basketball IQ in the way he moves without the basketball. And I think that we've already seen him take some greater steps initially than were forecasted. For example, I think a lot of people thought within, you know, you know, my circle of talking to people that he could eventually be a good ball handler and be a secondary playmaker. And I think it was a pleasant surprise that he was so good at it already in his rookie year when the Magic were going through those COVID struggles in December and had to place him in that role. So I think he showed that he's equipped to make some jumps even faster than maybe, you know, I had even projected in, in his career. I thought that that was a possibility, but he's already doing it at a high level. So for, for him, I think it's just continuing to shoot at the rate, which he did in Eurobasket, which was a tremendous rate. If he could do that, continue to play, make, continue to make great decisions, He's going to have a phenomenal sophomore campaign. And I think the Orlando Magic are going to have a lot of success with a front court trio, perhaps, of, of Paolo Bancaro, Wendell Carter Jr., and Franz Wagner. That's a lot of size and length that's going to create problems for other teams, especially when you consider the IQ of those three guys and they're willing to play make for others. Uh, I think that's really underrated. That's my big theme going into the season when I look at this team. I think. The playmaking of those three as bigs, uh, aside from the playmakers that they'll have in the backcourt, it, it is going to be such an asset for this team moving forward. Just carrying on from that, Dan, there was a stat I was listening to earlier. I was listening to the, the Athletic NBA Show podcast, and they were talking about why is this Orlando team's young core going so under the radar when you compare us to, say, the Pistons, the Thunder or the Rockets, where they've all got their their top guys over in the draft the last couple of years. And they were basically saying that if you look at like the Pistons with Kay Cunningham, uh, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, as their, say, big three from last year, the Rockets with Jalen Green and their and Sengun, I can't remember who the other one was, they, were all, they all had a minus plus minus with the three of them on the floor at the time. Orlando, I think it was Cole Anthony, Wendell, and Franz in something like eleven hundred minutes were plus had a had a positive plus minus, and then if you factor into that, that's not including Jalen Suggs, who we used the fifth overall pick on, and you've yeah. got Paolo Banquero added into that. Why do you think this team's going so under the radar compared to those ones? I don't know, but I like it. I, I actually think it you know adds a chip onto this team's shoulder. You know it allows them to maybe sneak up on some people who aren't paying attention early in the season. So, so keep underestimating this Orlando magic team. I, I like <laughs> playing that, that kind of role um, because all of us here who watch the team closely know what this, this team could be. I mean, as you guys well know, 
And, you know, you brought up that stat. There was the other stat where, you know, how high they ranked in net rating for their starting lineup altogether uh, early in the season before injuries kind of caught up to them. And that's without factoring in like guys, Markel, who will come back and Gary Harris, who I think is equipped to have a a really solid campaign after after rebounding midway through last season and really showing what he could do. So I think this team's got a lot of options, a lot of different interesting lineups that they could roll out depending on the competition night to night. So I'm really intrigued and excited about a lot of players on this on this magic roster and and really excited to see the tone of uh, of Coach Mosley and and other players holding each other accountable as they try to level up this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Paul and me were, were guests on the Ozone podcast a few weeks back, and the guys, Al and Anthony, asked us, who do we think is the leader in the, of this Orlando Magic team at the moment? So for a team that's lacking a huge veteran presence, who do you feel's got the biggest voice that when they speak, everybody listens to? Who's that leader for the Magic at the moment? Yeah, that that's a great question. That's something that I think, from a you know media perspective, we're going to have to pay close attention to as the season goes along. I don't know if there's necessarily a, a one guy yet. I think when you hear a lot of players talk, they reference Gary Harris, and I think it goes a lot to why he was brought back. Uh, is he's got that presence? R.J. Hampton talks about it a lot, both how he saw him do it in Denver and then brought him along here in Orlando. So I, I think he's he's got that mindset of, I've seen how an organization's turned things around before and how we've gone from you know a team that was just knocking on the door to being a top seed in, in the Western Conference with Denver. And I think he sees the elements here of how Orlando could eventually do that as they could grow and mature. So he's one of those guys. The guy, the guy I'm really looking at too is Wendell Carter Jr., uh, he had a few moments last season in that locker room when he spoke up. People listen. He's a physically imposing guy. He's got a loud voice. Uh, so I continue to look for him to do that. I think Markel's growing into that role uh, as he realizes when he talks, a lot of people do listen. And he's got great words of wisdom. He's been through so much. He's overcome obstacles. So I, I look for a lot of those guys to to continue to grow in that role. I think Franz has all the elements to continue to grow to be a leader, uh, especially when you look at his experiences in Eurobasket, having to play in so many meaningful games where every possession matters. So I, I think this year is really going to determine who those voices are. And I think right now it's going to be one of those things where you hear in different games, different guys kind of pull that role and we'll see eventually who emerges as that consistent voice throughout the course of a year. So Dan, one question I've got for you is about Bowl Bowl. I've got a funny feeling he might get some minutes to start the season. It's just a, a little thought, but is there anything to that? You know, your, your timing is really apropos uh, with a few of these questions <laughs> because uh, you know, we just got done talking with Wendell Carter Jr., Cole Anthony, uh, Mose. And they alluded to they ran some lineups today in some of their scrimmages sessions where uh, it had Wendell, uh, Bull Bull, and I'm trying to remember who the the other big guy was. Paolo. Wendell, Bull Bull, and Paolo out there together. Yep, those were the three. Um, and, and some Franz mixed in with that. So those were some really big lineups that they had rolled out together. And the interesting thing about Bull, Wendell was asked about this, they asked him who is the best shooter between Bowl, 
Wendell and, and Paolo. And Wendell, without hesitation, said, as of right now, they're all three great shooters. But Bol Bol is, is the best because his size is so great. Uh, he can release and nobody could block it. <laughs> and it's such a smooth, <laughs> silky stroke. And, uh, you know, Cole alluded to one play, too, on the defensive end where Bamba caught it with what he felt was a lot of space, took his time, released a shot that normally nobody would be able to block, and Bull comes over and gets his hands on it at the last second and blocks it away. So Bull has these interesting elements to his game that are, are so unique, and his shooting ability allows you to play him with some other bigs that normally you'd factor into guys of that size and be like, well, that won't work. There's not enough shooting. That's not the case with Bull Bull out there. So... I'm really intrigued to see how this training camp goes for him. Obviously, we're only two days in. It's early, but, you know, early stock, high on bull bull, I guess you could say. Uh, and just really intri intrigued to see how that follows out. He's going to be a fun guy to watch out for in the preseason because I think, you know, it's all good in, in drills and camp. But, you know, he hasn't played a lot of basketball in, in uh, you know, recent memory due to injury. So I think preseason is going to be really big for him to get those live game reps. And then we'll go from there to see, you know, whether or not or how many minutes he could get this season. Good stuff. Yeah. And um, my next question was going to mention the Dolphins game last night. But we've already <laughs> touched upon it. So I'm just going to pivot a little bit. Obviously, your Bengals. Your your love, your Cincinnati Bengals made the Super Bowl last season. What are your expectations this season, then, Dan? Well, you know there there are some parallels between the jump the Bengals made and the Orlando Magic. When you look at the Bengals, uh, you know they picked Joe Burrow first uh, overall, and then they you know followed that up the subsequent year with the fifth overall pick in, in Jamar Chase, and those two really catapulted uh, the Bengals to a Super Bowl. You look at the Orlando Magic, they kind of did that in the reverse, uh, having, you know, the fifth pick in the draft draft and Jalen Suggs also coming away with Franz Wagner in that same draft class and then follow it up the next season with the number one overall pick in Paolo Bancaro. So if you're looking for an optimistic uh, connection between the two, you know, you get the one and five and, and in this case, a one, five and, and uh, you know, eight pick, uh, you really have the the option to catapult uh, yourselves to to, uh, you know, further heights, especially when you look at what those guys have already displayed in, in limited action. So hopefully we see that that connection continue to grow and those parallels uh, intertwine because I wouldn't mind a, a finals appearance for the Orlando Magic in the near future. <laughs> uh, but when it comes to the Bengals, uh, the, the way I look at it is they, you know, Postseason is a must. You have to follow it up after a Super Bowl year. You want to make the postseason. And then as this team shows, uh, when you have Joe Burrow in clutch moments, anything's possible. So for me, it's just all about making the postseason, giving yourself that chance, and, and what you do from there will be in that guy's hands, and I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> yeah, awesome, good stuff. Let's not mention Mikey Raiders. Um, we often touch <laughs> upon the NFL in our podcast. But, um, it's been a tough stretch uh, since that loss to the Bengals. And, I'm telling you, Dan, that's why I've been so quiet about this the whole time. <laughs> I mean, you did. I mean, you were clinging on for dear life at the end of that wild card game last year. Oh, but, uh, I was there, and I was, I was. Uh, there's probably still my hand imprints into that seat from, uh, <laughs> from grabbing on uh, tightly uh, there, because I think everybody in that stadium felt that one potentially slipping away before that last second interception. 
That, that's yeah. basically how our season's gone this year already. <laughs> yes, yes, it has. Uh, <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I like a lot of the pieces the Raiders have. I think, yeah. you know, it was it was one of those interesting things where they had success but didn't necessarily carry the coaching staff over. And I think what that did was perhaps disrupt some of the momentum that they had rolling and perhaps why they're getting off to a slower start. But obviously, I think the ingredients are there uh, with Las Vegas. I almost slipped and said one of their past homes, <laughs> Las Vegas, uh, to really make you know a late season run. It's just going to be a question of in a powerful uh, AFC conference, will there be enough time for for them to to recover and, and make the postseason? Because I believe the statistics yeah. is for teams that start you know zero and three or have a, a rough start uh, that you know only very few can make it to the I think it's like two percent make the postseason and then for you know teams that have you know one win through three weeks uh it's like 20 percent so you know these games coming up are going to be really big for them yeah I mean the silver yeah. lining is we we've only lost by one score for all yeah. three games and uh and the and the rest of the AFC West aren't doing very well themselves either so they've that's got, true they've just got to win huge, the division that's all we got to do but I'm not. I'm not so hopeful for that this year, but we'll see. We'll see. Oh, brilliant! Um, thank you ever so much, Dan, for taking time out of your your very busy schedule to join us today. Um, we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks' time. Um, we got the countdown on. I think some of us come over in about three weeks' time. Mike awesome. and uh, myself uh, in about three and a half weeks. So yeah. uh, we, we shall hit you up once we're in Orlando, and hopefully we maybe get a beer or or something. Um, there so uh or uh take so, yeah. a gatorland visit since i i know you guys are so excited <laughs> to, to, to be around them. Let's, let's get g on that zip line dan <laughs> we're gonna do uh, it we're gonna do it <laughs> have to bring one to the stadium if you know at the at the very least surprise oh him my at his god <laughs> oh my god yeah no thank you for, for joining us dan we really appreciate your time and um, so next week we'll be recording on saturday the 8th of october which will be our 100th episode so quite Ooh. a milestone there for us uh since this started um well, thank you very much um in uh lockdown some two two years ago now um so thank you to everyone as always for listening and watching uh, stay up to date with the latest Orlando Magic news by subscribing to our YouTube channel, Orlando Magic UK. Uh, leave us your comments uh, where you can. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, all at Orlando Magic UK. So from Dan, Mikey, Gary, and myself, until next week, go Magic.